What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering? Or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, NCIA's Deputy Director of Communications. Today, my guest is Ann Davis, who's been practicing law for 20 years. For the past 12 years, she's been recognized as one of her state's leading experts in marijuana law and policy. In that role, she presented workshops and seminars nationally about marijuana law reform. Since her diagnosis with MS, she's dedicated her skills and experience to create programs and expand access for medical marijuana patients. As part of that mission, she is a patient advocate for Benibus Health, the first healthcare company in the nation covering medical marijuana. Welcome to the show, Anne. Hi, Bethany. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So for our listeners, let's dive into a little bit more about your background, your experience. I know you're, you're a legal professional. What kinds of work did you do before getting involved in marijuana law policy reform? I was a practicing attorney for, as you said, for 20 years, and I was doing a lot of business, corporate law and family law, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but my activism and passion for cannabis and change in law and policy went way back to my college days and law school days when people thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I know. Um I was a bit too early for it, but when I attended the University of Maryland, a couple of years later, their first SSDP chapter formed, Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Have you heard of that group? Most definitely. We've worked with SSDP over the years quite a bit. Shout out to SSDP and and all the students across the country that are that are going to grow up to become marijuana law <laughs> reformers, right? <laughs> I think you also mentioned, um, you know, getting involved in cannabis and and the movement, which it was a movement before it was an industry, right? Um, For sure. 
Yeah, you know, I, I also was involved in a medical patient advocacy group um, in the mid 2000s called Americans for Safe Access. Is, is that a group that you're, you're familiar with also? Most definitely. Steph Share, Asa, I attribute our relationship. I've been with Joel for 10 years now. We met. Uh, Asa came in with a joint fundraiser with CMMNJ in New Jersey and Princeton, and that's how we met. Now we're going 11 years later. <laughs> so I, I have special love in my heart for Asa. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk more about some of your activism work over the years. Uh, what, what was that like? What kinds of things were you doing? Well, it's funny how life evolves. I went from, you know, attorney working on marijuana law and policy, activist on behalf of patients, became a patient and now patient advocate. Uh, but it started really strong. 2007, I got in. 2008, I was all in. I joined Normal. I became the executive director of Normal New Jersey. Then I joined the Normal Legal Committee. I was one of the founding members of the Normal Women's Alliance. There was this recognition that, you know, women had pretty powerful voices and and maybe, you know, all the years of, of the hippies being at the forefront will put some women and moms in the mix and maybe they'll listen a little better. So, um, I was involved in a lot of different things with Normal over the years, and we had a lot of interaction with MPP, DPA, and certainly SSDP, and ASA over the years. Um, so I started doing presentations across the country in California when they were still just working on Prop 215, you know, before they had any kind of regulatory scheme in place. And uh, I would kind of speak anywhere and everywhere they would let me. Um, <laughs> California and Colorado and Philly and Boston to the students back then uh, was really about getting the message out and getting the underground to surface and be a little bit more vocal. And that was the beginning stages, as you know, of the movement. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. They, they, they put you on the road, huh? They sent you across the U.S., yeah, I was everywhere. And I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, a lot of it was about, you know, telling the college kids, be the voice. If, if we want to get somewhere, we need you all to start being vocal in the industry. And, and they were, they were, especially SSDP. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to speaking to students, who, what other kinds of audiences were you presenting for? Was it uh, you know, people who were wanting to get involved in the activism or, or maybe the other side where it was regulators who needed to be convinced? Well, it was on the other side, for sure. So as mm. an attorney and, and with normal and being on the normal legal committee, um, I was asked to, I, I did the very first um, New Jersey State Bar Association workshop on this new law we have on the, the Compassionate Use Act uh, that we had in New Jersey. And I was on this panel and that was the very, very beginning uh, before we even had the ATCs open in the state of New Jersey. So I started speaking for the Jersey State Bar Association that rolled into the Hospital Association, Health Lawyers Association, Health Management Finance Association and universities, uh, local universities I spoke at, um, you know, it was on policy, it was information, it was for lawyers so they could learn when their clients were approaching them on the business end. It was in the healthcare industry when healthcare workers had patients that they wanted to help, they wanted to understand, you know, and how that kind of all came together. So um, I got really involved in that. And that's actually how I ended up with Benibus was one of those 
presentations I was doing for the State Bar Association. Wow. So with those audiences, did you find a, a lot of enthusiasm and acceptance or, or was this audience kind of a little, a little tough to get over the finish line? I think they were receptive. I think that the, the people in the industry that were attending these presentations were curious and they, they wanted to know more about it. That's why they were attending. So um, I wouldn't say we had too much of a pushback from attendees. They were people that were more curious of where it's going and what does it mean for all of us. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it is especially important for healthcare workers. I'm sure whether you're a healthcare worker in a legal state or a non-legal state, you're going to have patients who are going to come to you and say, hey, cannabis is something I use. Cannabis works for me, for my pain or for sleep or for what have you. And that, that potentially can put healthcare workers in a tough position if they don't have the knowledge about cannabis, right? It reminds me of, gosh, 20 years ago, um, I went to go see my doctor about maybe depression or anxiety or something. And I, I did the same thing. I mentioned, hey, I've started using cannabis. I really think it's helping. And my doctor at the time, mind you, this was 20 years ago, said, are you sure you should be talking to me about cannabis? Like she was <laughs> trying to trying to protect me from maybe getting in trouble or something, uh, which is interesting. And now, now when we talk to healthcare workers, I I, th I think people know a bit more about it, even though that endocannabinoid system still isn't being taught in medical school, as far as I know. Do you have any insight on that? As far as them teaching in medical schools, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, or even healthcare workers today being more receptive to their patients, telling them, hey, I'm using cannabis. They definitely are. They, they are. They just they're they're limited by legislation. And, you know, there's always this fear on their licensing. And that's one of the things whenever I did a presentation, I always ended with a few points. And um, one was the ancillary opportunities in the industry, because I knew that capitalism was always going to be a driving force if we were going to get anywhere. And the mm -hmm. second was future of cannabis. And, and that was really protection for healthcare workers. And we did see rollout in a few states that, you know, started to enact legislation to protect these workers. You had people in rehab facilities that they couldn't even store it. They couldn't hand it to a patient without mm -hmm. risking their licenses. And there was just this inherent unfairness and I, more and more. And you see now the hospital association getting on board of, you know, how can we allow patients to have access, protect our workers and not put ourselves in any kind of harm, you know, legal harm, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, in the healthcare world. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that brings us to your role today with Benibus Health, an NCIA member. Tell me a bit about Benibus Health and, and your work with them and, and what, the, what the group's up to this year. Well, it, it's actually really exciting. Um, you know, as a patient, I know that the costs are really significant, especially um, on the East Coast where supply is much more limited. So as I was saying, when I would do presentations, one of the things I always ended with my hope for the future was that we would see health insurance companies um, covering cannabis as a benefit. So 
Benevis was created, and you know, I'll get back into the background later, but Benevis was created to kind of bridge that gap. We know that group health insurance cannot make it a covered benefit at this time because of federal prohibition until there is descheduling. And I always emphasize descheduling versus rescheduling. That's, you know, my personal uh, wish. But um, in the interim, you know, there's always there's always a solution to every problem. So we can't get group health plans on board, but we can is serve several different markets. So the self-insured market that recognizes there is definitely a cost savings in allowing patients to have medical marijuana instead of Oxycontin, Oxycodone, and all the other pharmaceuticals that are out there. Um, You've got the self-insured market, workers' compensation now. There was a decision just came out. The New Jersey Supreme Court in the past two weeks has decided that it is, in fact, a covered benefit for New Jersey residents that are having workers' compensation claims. They're out on an injury. So we are working with the workers' compensation groups. We are working with the self-insured market. And now there's this membership plan that is available to anybody and everybody, whether they have health insurance or not. That's great. Awesome. Thanks for breaking that down for us. All right, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come back and chat more with Ann Davis from Benibus Health. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. We're chatting with Ann Davis from Benibus Health. All right, Ann, let's, let's quickly review a bit more about your background in cannabis as well as your personal story. And you recently published a blog with us about your journey with multiple sclerosis. So let's chat quickly about that for our listeners. And and I encourage them to go read the full blog themselves as well. Well, a long story as short as it can be. So I I decide that I'm going to follow my passion, work with marijuana law and policy. And, uh, you know, I'm as an activist, as an attorney, I'm testifying for the state, before the state legislature, and I'm working with patients on their behalf. You know, as you know, long before recreational, we, we were on the platform of medical marijuana. We, we got the sympathy on behalf of patients. So I'm an advocate. I'm working with patients in all walks of life. And come 2013, I get diagnosed with MS. It was more than ironic. Um, But through Mm. the years in the industry, you know, I I got to know all the ins and outs and the benefits of cannabis and the fact that there are no side effects. And for me, having MS, it has more protective qualities in addition to the symptom relief. So when I first get diagnosed, they wanted to put me on Copaxone. And I initially agreed 
but um, they wanted to monitor my heart, my kidneys, and my liver on a regular basis. And I said, well, wait a minute. They said potential side effects. So now I'm thinking there's no side effects on cannabis. Why am I going to do this pharmaceutical drug? And, um, you know, seven, eight years later, I put the numbers together. It was a cost of 3000 a month to have me on Copaxone in addition to the monitoring of my heart, kidneys, and liver. So exponentially, you know, I'd saved the health insurance company $300,000 and I'm one patient. So wow. there has to be an argument that this makes sense, you know, for health insurance companies to start covering it. And this was in every time I did a talk before the hospital association, bar association, wherever it was, um, I would always end with the significant savings that's available to these health insurance companies. And at the end of one of my presentations of the Bar Association, Don Parise, the president of Benefit Health comes up and he has this extensive executive level experience in the insurance industry. And he was really interested in working with me. And um, shortly thereafter, Benabus Health was born. And Don put together this amazing team of individuals that there's attorneys with, you know, backgrounds in healthcare, insurance, regulatory compliance, the most amazing experts to really um, see this plan roll out in every possible level on a national level. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and every week there's just more progress and more progress and more interest from industries that you wouldn't think would be interested. And, and now they're reaching out and they want to get on board. And I think they recognize that it is a safe medicine. And there's, you know, now studies coming out that workers are going back to work faster that are utilizing cannabis versus pharmaceuticals. And then you don't mm. have the fear of them ending up on pain management meds and ending up in rehab. There's, there's so many benefits that I think largely are starting to be accepted and recognized that make Benabis Health, you know, perfect timing right now to help the patients have the access that they so desperately need. Absolutely. Well, thanks to you sharing your story and inspiring other people out there for sure. So obviously federal legalization isn't quite here yet. Um, you know, whether, whether these cannabis patients across the country are living in medical only states or full on adult use, or perhaps they're, they're still in um, a non-legal market, um, but they're trying to replace certain pharmaceuticals with cannabis products for their well-being, much like you did. But our traditional health insurance companies aren't quite there yet. Is that right? Exactly. You know, and that's part of what Benabis Health is doing, um, educating that whole insurance industry in addition to educating patients. So, you know, part of the mission of Benabis Health is to build awareness of medical marijuana through the social media sites, the website designed to help people that might use cannabis. There's millions of people with chronic diseases that would benefit um, and have various conditions that they're suffering from, but some of them are just naive. They don't know where to go. So Benabis Health aims to not only create access, but to educate these consumers and, and the millions of people out there that would really benefit, um, you know, from medical marijuana in, in their daily regime, whether, you know, myself personally, I use it every night before bed. Some people use it all day, every day, but 
you know, it's just immensely helpful. And we know so many hundreds of conditions that it can treat. So as we walk these cannabis naive people through the process, you know, we're partnering um, with dispensaries to create this provider network so that we can work together with these patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. As far as traditional health insurance, um, is there any progress that's been made for, for patients getting their needs met? Um, you know, especially if there's medical reasons, it, cannabis can be very expensive if you truly need it for a medical reason, you know, every day, for example, is there any progress from traditional health insurance companies on this or not at all? No, there is. And, and so, as I was saying, you're seeing it now in workers' compensation insurance carriers, it is um, a covered benefit. And, and now that is legally mandated, at least in the state of New Jersey mm. and in the, in the self-insured market where um, the employer's are covering it as a benefit. So there's many more of them having an interest, getting on board, partnering with us to join the network. And then there's this membership plan that was really the segue before we can get group health plans on board once federal prohibition ends. So this membership plan is like any other membership plan that's out there, you know, you, um, you pay a fee and it entitles you to discounted product. And that's what becoming part of the network is all about. Got it. Got it. So you were kind of mentioning uh, the education portion earlier for people out there who are curious about cannabis and maybe they're currently taking some pharmaceuticals that they're not happy with. And, you know, the opioid crisis is still hovering around us. NCIA published a policy paper several years ago about how, you know, cannabis is, you know, potentially an exit drug rather than a gateway drug for some of these people who uh, would like to reduce or completely get off of their opioid prescriptions. So what, how, how can these individuals with chronic conditions who maybe need to have their hand held a little bit uh, to learn more in order to make that shift? Or, or how can these people get that information? Well, to begin, our, our website uh, offers some information. And for members, there's information that's up there for free, providing access to educational tools. There's podcasts that are developed for all different um, chronic conditions and this access ask the experts series, um, patient stories. So they'll be able to access, you know, different conditions and patients that have actually turned over to medical marijuana and wean themselves off of pharmaceutical drugs. And some of them just even off the over the counter aren't so good for you and your health on a long-term basis. So, you know, bridging the gap to provide that education for anybody who's really interested or curious is what benefits health. It's, it's, go, it's more than just the membership plans, more than just, uh, you know, a health plan, but it's an educational source. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so with benefits health specifically, um, how, in addition to giving a talk and the nice gentleman offering to work with you at the, at the end of your presentation, what other, what other steps happen between then and now to make Benibus Health what it is now? 
It's actually been a very long journey. <laughs> it's a, I'm a sure. very, very long journey. Uh, and that's, you know, because we have to navigate through each state has its own set of laws and regulations. And even, you know, building the provider network is challenging. Some states have, you know, greater supply, some have limited supply, some have limited access just by, you know, finally in New Jersey, they're rolling out more dispensaries. But, um, you know, even Florida, they've grown massively in the past, I would say year or two years. So, all of that is a challenge. You know, we have to work within every state. Where are they? What kind of product is available? What is their pricing structure? What is access? What does that look like? Do patients need cards and are they reciprocal? And um, that's one of the biggest challenges. And, and that's why, you know, the, the team that is behind Benebis Health is just absolutely incredible. And the amount of research and, and third-party researchers that have been involved to determine what is actually the status in each state and how many, how many patients have a need in those states and right down to chronic conditions and what ones are most prevalent. And, you know, trying to put all that together has taken some amount of work and time Oh, you bet. Yeah, there's so many moving parts. And, and yeah. as, as you alluded to, everything is state by state and each state is just a unique little unicorn. So yeah, never a dull moment, right? <laughs> exactly. I, there was a time I, I could tell you the laws in every state right down to possession limits and, you know, whatever was allowed to be sold. But, it, you know, it changes they change. literally by the week now. Then they I, change six months later, right? We, yeah. yeah, we know that story. Yeah. All right, let's take our last commercial break and then we'll come back and wrap up our chat with Ann Davis from Benebis Health. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and my guest is Ann Davis from Benibus Health, providing uh, healthcare for medical marijuana coverage, which is an exciting prospect as, as our industry continues to become more sophisticated, uh, more widely accepted. Um, I'd have to check our state policy map on our website to see just how many states have legalized because much like you, Ann, it's you think you know, and then and then a couple months later, 
more laws are changing, more regulations are adjusting, um, but it's typically moving in the right direction. There's very few states on, on the map of the United States that don't have any kind of cannabis. I think even the state of Kansas uh, is, is making some progress, whereas just a couple of years ago, I believe they tried to sue the state of Colorado for legalizing cannabis. So, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a very interesting uh, landscape out there. So um, yeah, there's very few holdout states out there. And some of them are going a little slower with the medical first and kind of testing the waters, uh, sticking their toe into the cannabis pool. Um, but I, I think many of us are very, very confident um, in, in seeing more of these states move forward. Now, the Biden administration, um, we, we know President Biden is, is not exactly uh, pro-cannabis, uh, but we, we think if Congress, which, which we have some good people in Congress, in the 117th Congress, if we can continue to press on our issues and if we can get some kind of bill going and it gets to his desk, he will likely sign it is, is kind of where we're going with this. What's your confidence level? if you feel comfortable sharing that with, uh, with this current administration um, and current Congress uh, about our, our reform efforts nationally. I think that it's a, it's a bigger issue and it really comes down to who gets the money, who gets control and who gets the money. And when, and when that is decided, that's when we will have progress. I, you know, I've seen it in, all the states and just at so many different levels. And it sounds like we're so close and, but it's, where's it going? And that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, we thought the same thing on the East coast and then there were some political shifts and some surprises. So you never know. That's so true. You just never know. People in the cannabis industry are used to being nimble and pivoting and yes, breaking and accelerating and yeah yeah they totally understand the, the the plight of the cannabis industry operators uh you know all i gotta say is you know thankfully most of us consume what what we uh produce so that helps <laughs> that helps balance the stress right for sure and you know coming out of the stress of the covid19 pandemic i i think one thing that most of us are uh, very appreciative of, I think everyone in the cannabis industry is that cannabis was deemed an essential business in everywhere, but the state of Massachusetts, wagging my finger at the state of Massachusetts for not making <laughs> cannabis essential, but everywhere else, uh, when during the, during the worst of lockdowns, cannabis was con allowed to continue to operate. And wow, what a statement that says for our industry, right? Um, exactly. but, but as we're coming out of all this, I am fully vaccinated um, and most of the NCIA staff is as well. We are looking forward to getting back to in-person events. We feel confident to kick those off this September 20. Yeah, September 22nd and 23rd. It's right after my birthday. We will be in Detroit, Michigan for our Midwest cannabis business conference and then in december we're gonna throw two more trade shows we will be hosting our eastern cannabis business conference in baltimore maryland 
on December 7th through 8th. Oh, looking forward to seeing some of my Maryland people. And uh, we'll also be heading just a week later to San Francisco on December 15th, 16th, and 17th for our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. We did not get to have that last summer, uh, and we won't be having it this summer either, but we will be having it this fall. So Q4 is, is really the time where NCIA is ready to get back to the convention show floor. We're ready to get those educational panel sessions. I'm, I'm ready to toe tap, elbow bump, fist bump, what, whatever, the, <laughs> whatever the thing's going to be. I'm sure there's going to be lots of hand sanitizer, but um, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back on the expo floor. I'm ready to, to, you know, I think we're all sick of Zoom. I don't know about you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And but between now and then, of course, NCIA's webinar series continues. Every week uh, is a new webinar, sometimes more than one per week, uh, being hosted by some of our service providers. Our committees are really putting some incredible thought leadership out there, as well as our government relations team. And those fireside chats with our government relations team are an exclusive benefit for NCIA members. So I just want to remind everyone about all the education NCIA is doing virtually, as well as in person later this year. So uh, the expo floor, if, if if anyone listening is looking to get a booth, uh, there's still time at all three of our shows to secure some space, and speaker applications are running until just Monday, May 24th. So if NCIA members would like to submit applications to speak, get those proposals in. And that wraps up our show for today, and where can people find out more about Benevis Health? Uh, we've got a presence everywhere, LinkedIn, Instagram, um... Facebook, websites, uh, anyone interested in joining our provider network, please reach out to the Banibus team. We would love to hear from you. Um, we look forward to seeing it grow, evolve, and grow bigger and bigger month by month until we get to group health insurance coverage. <laughs> Great goal. Thank yes. you again, Anne. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold Dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the Dew. You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck, and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. 
We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4-6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today.